Happy New Year, everyone. Is it, are, we, are we going to be loud enough on this thing? Yes, we're going to be loud enough. Seems very quiet. We're going to be loud enough. Sorry, we're my just eyebrows are, fine. My eyebrows are like freaking out. Um, anyway. Yes, Happy New Year. Because Happy New Year. Happy 2024. Everybody. Happy 2024. Um, and uh, we are back. And uh, we're going to dive right in because we have uh, a few things to talk about yes. tonight. Yes, um, and it's another how couch was your, episode. How was your 2023? I feel like I haven't seen you since last year. Oh my God, what a dad joke. 2023 was actually pretty fucking please, shitty. Please, please forgive me. I have my phone in my hand because I want to make sure that I don't skip over anything and some of what we're talking about tonight. Those of you who watch other episodes know that I my memory is for shit and I have to refer to shit. Um, yeah, 2023 definitely sucked. Yeah. We had, I mean, there were some death, good things. We had illness. Death, more death. Death. Uh, yeah, we had a lot of, um, we had some drama within the coven. We had lots of tower card energy. We did. Yes, it was a very tower card year, wasn't it? Yes. And so what's the card that comes after the tower? In- um, yes. Uh, rather than talking about that, I... I want to say that I, I think going into 2024 is also, I, I think this year is going to also prove to be a tower card year. I'm not um, going to manifest I'm that. Not, I'm not going to focus okay, that. Calm down, little light worker. I'm not manifesting anything. I'm just talking, okay? Well, the reason I say that is because this is an election year here in the U.S. True. And it's like a presidential election year. True. And it's going to be a shit show. It's going to be a lot of trumpers out there granted he's off of several ballots now. rioting and making trouble and stirring violence and dissension um and you know the people that actually run our country and the world you know that they're going to stir up some sort of weird shit this year like there's going to be another 9-11 fucking event or something that's going to happen this year to try to make sure that they're able to squeeze that orange cheeto tiny dick motherfucker back into office because that's how they do things i mean or he'll just die before election <sighs> i don't want to risk that we could run into any kind of legal trouble i'm just going to say that i would be very happy if donald trump i'm just going to say die. i've seen pictures of him recently and he does not look like he's in the best health no right i'm like oh god please just let this be his last big mac just let this be his last big mac no i don't want him to have the last big mac big macs are good not I'm, his last not not the last big Mac. i don't want just him to a, enjoy a big mac that but that's all he eats he just i want him to catch covid lose all of his senses and lose all like pleasure in eating or smelling and then i want it to take his limbs like i want it to ravage his body so much that he is just this incompetent potato i mean he's already an incompetent potato but an incompetent would he be would he be an incompetent sweet potato sorry because he's orange true yeah yeah i could see that okay enough of this nonsense sorry we've got shit to talk about anyway we're going to hope not hope we're going to make this year better we're going to this year's already good do everything we can to make this year better uh but we're also going to gird our loins for another for meryl streep another year of of powerful transformation and change some of which could potentially be painful yes Okay. Oh, 
That was a lot. I'm exhausted. We're going to call that an episode. <laughs> Good night. Okay, so we had some listener <laughs> questions come through. That's awesome. Yeah, right. I mean, we took we took a week off. Um, and I think it gave us a chance to give you a chance to uh, follow up and uh, to contact us with some some suggestions, not only not only questions, but some suggestions for some things you'd like to hear us talk about. Um, and I'm on board. I'm on board with that. I appreciate that. All right. So let's get into it. All right. So question. Let's get into. Well, hold on. Let's see. Okay. There's a lot going on here. So I'm just going to paraphrase and kind of cut through some of this. Am so I going to need they, my teddy bear? No. So they go on to share okay. kind of at the end. And, and they, they mentioned, first of all, the first part of their message was really, I think, some suggestions for topics to discuss. Well, one of which I think we probably will we'll touch upon tonight. Um, this might might need to be a two part kind of a topic though, because it's kind of a complicated topic when it comes to spiritual practice, because it's all about. Hold on, Austin, cover your ears. It's all about sex. All right. Anyway, so at the end of though, before before we go there, the end of their 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 note, they say that their grandmother was a practicing witch. Her practice was not something that was discussed which is true in a lot of familial traditions, right? Yes. It's not really something that we we talk about. Because, nope. It's just something know, that they old woman do. It's just something that we do, right? You know, and if you typically, if you're learning in a, in a familial tradition from the time that you were very little, you are uh, deliberately uh, put in situations where you are observing these things, right? Yes. And they can be very simple things. Like it could be like, oh, we're going to go over to grandma's house and we're going to bake cookies, right? And yeah, you're going to bake some awesome cookies. But while you're there, you know, you might also help grandma maybe put together a puppet or do some other sort of magical work, mm -hmm. right? And so that's typically how these things, I think, are kind of, at least initially, how they're passed on through familial tradition. Yeah, most definitely. That's how right? it was for me. Um, but anyway, so they didn't really, she didn't really talk about her practice, okay? And the other people in the family were also not allowed to speak about or, or address what this, this woman's activities, this, this familial practice, okay? Um, basically, her, her witchcraft was just part of our life, was okay. what they go on to say. Um, just something that grandma did. They say that when they were small, that they were scared of her practice um, to the extent that when they became a young adult, they actually walked away from all of that, um, even though they still felt somewhere in their bones that they had a connection to this. They okay. just, you know, and I think that's a common thing, right? Yeah. Would you agree that even in fami families where we're brought up where these things are kind of like, this is just our normal, there are always those moments where based on where we're at as an individual, sometimes we, we need to step away from that, or maybe we need to turn away from that for a time to kind of yeah. do some personal reflection or figuring things out. Well, yeah, I mean, that, that's kind of what happened with me. I mean, my grandparents died before I could really learn all they had to offer. But what happened was um, I left the Italian practice and the conjure and the root work practice, and I went to Wicca. I'm aware. So so I think it's actually very common. OK. How about you? Did, did, did you have any experiences like that? I did, but that was really kind of more of a, a personal choice. I, mine wasn't really, and it happened a little bit later in life, I think for me, I, I kind of stepped away from doing a lot of what we would do as a family when I kind of hit my early twenties. And I was like, now it's time to go off to corporate America, and like go to college and mm -hmm. like earn my degree, you know, and that became my focus for many, many years. 
right? Um, and I, I think as a result of all of that, when I got done with school and I kind of made my way into, you know, corporate America working situation, um, I, I think because of that, there was this kind of this part of my brain that was like, well, this is who you are now. You know, like you made the choice to pursue this or to do this instead, right? And so all of that stuff is still in there or yeah, in there, it's all still part of me, but it's not something that I really, really need to have an active involvement in anymore. Okay. Right. Which was stupid and very short-sighted, maybe not stupid, but short-sighted because I found over the years of working in corporate America and trying to be just like everybody else, gross. Um, I found that um, I had all these things happening in my life that were all pointing me back to the spiritual practice. They were all pointing me back to witchcraft and back to the older practices of my of my ancestry. Um, and I wouldn't listen. And then shit would get real ugly. Mm -hmm. in my life. You want to talk about a fucking tower card year. I, I had several of them there during my 20s. Like I, my, my early to mid 20s were like basically like a, just an entire Saturn's return. Um, it was a lot, um, you know, and, you know, and in saying that, I'm not trying to make myself sound like I'm a victim because all of that was me. I made all that shit happen because mm -hmm. I made dumb decisions and I prioritized the wrong things. Um, but when I got to a moment where I was able to say like, oh, no, no, like, no, this actually still is really kind of who I am and mm -hmm. what my life needs to be about. Once I made that decision and I stepped back into the spiritual work and I, that was really hard. I had to I quit my job. I had a good job corporate America and I was making really good money, making a hell of a lot more money than I am now. And, uh, and it was a big change, um, you know, and it was scary. Um, and of course my life saw some big changes as a result of that decision, but I left the corporate America gig and I re-embraced the work as a professional spiritual practitioner and um, life calmed down. Like I quit having, I quit having the, the bad years my, my, my Saturn, my decade of Saturn's return energy stopped. Um, <laughs> anyway, so uh, back to this person. Okay. Um, this person is now an adult and they have claimed or reclaimed that part of their life, the part of their life that brought them or, or the connection around familial witchcraft practice. Right. Mm -hmm. um, but they're having this crisis of identity now, I think because they stepped away from it. And I think that this is something that is really common for a lot of people who pursue witchcraft, I think that this is a symptom of a lot of the deconditioning that has to happen, right? Um, I, I'm just going to say right now, for the benefit of this listener and, and, and all of our, our saltines, what is this? This thumbs up? What is this? I don't know. Okay. Hmm. That's so I don't weird. know. It did that on another one. It did. Someone actively watching this right now. Is Zoom haunted? <gasps> um, to the benefit of our saltines, I'm going to say that. All of us will deal with imposter syndrome or have some crisis of identity around being a witch or whatever you may choose to call yourself at some point, mm -hmm. because that has less to do with the witchcraft and more to do with the fact that you are a human person. Yeah. And we all have insecurity and we all have doubts and fears. And uh, yeah. Have you ever had an issue like a, like an identity crisis moment or, a, or an imposter syndrome moment? Oh, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, like all the time, right? Not all the time. Like, like you're having one right now. No, not all the time. Um, I think as a witch personally, um, we are constantly growing and expanding and learning and either going back to roots or finding different things. And so for me, um, one of the biggest 
imposter syndrome things that I had was actually um, last year. And I'm not just saying that because it was 2023, but I'm saying like February of last year, um, like January, I was struggling um, in 2023 because I was really being pulled and called to go into the conjure, deeper into the conjuring root work. Ah, And and while, yeah, I'm a conjuring root worker, I'm also, I, 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 I mostly identify as a witch. And I was getting all this, like, well, no, because you're not this, you're not this, you're not this, you don't do this, you're, and and I was just like, but this is the stuff that my grandmother did, this is the stuff my mama did, and that she taught me, and I remember her praying psalms, and I remember this, and I remember that, and I was struggling really, really hard, and, like, I did not feel like I was I don't want to say worthy, but I felt like I wasn't right for it. And so when I did have a reading with a few of my, uh, a, a couple of people, actually, some friends. I'm going to move this because you're like okay. off camera. You're like, you're like over here. Oh, no one wants to see me. It's fine. People um, love to see you and you're a blankie. I love my blankie. Oh, you had to cover your knee? <gasps> yes. Did you not shave today? I was being immodest. Um, and so. You slut. Cover I, those ankles. Um, so, so, but what happened was. I had these readings and everyone was like, no, you're doing exactly what you're supposed to do. I got some validation, but still within me, I was still struggling with that. And the thing that needed to happen was just the type of person I am. I needed to actually physically be in a place that was directly connected to these practices. And so when I did go on that trip to New Orleans in February of 2023, I connected and it validated lots of my own personal beliefs and, and, and experiences. Um, I mean, there are people who are just going cuckoo nuts over Marie Laveau's shop. Yes, there are people who are just obsessed with Marie Laveau's shop and, and Reverend Zombie's shop and, and all these other shops. And I walked into several of them and I was like, there's nothing. I, I feel nothing. There's not that pull. But then I went into a couple of other shops and met with some friends and other connections and I felt it and it was there. And I found my way around the city without knowing anything about it because of ancestral connection. Yes. And so, so that was really validating me. And some people don't have the luxury of doing that. I was very grateful and had had the luxury of being able to do that yes so basically yeah i have struggled with imposter syndrome it was actually quite recently right there i'm good now oh okay all right as long as you're good now i i also had a life-altering moment on a trip through new orleans years ago i discovered the the deep and meaningful truth that beignets are delicious that is true. Um, and you can get really good beignets in New Orleans. Yes. Café Dumas or Café Beignet. I enjoy their chicory coffee as well, though I know you're not a fan. I like the chicory coffee at Café Dumas, but it has to be from Café Dumas. They do something there. I don't know if it's the water. I don't know what it is, but it does taste good there. But the best beignets, and you can fight me on this, is Café Beignet. Okay. Café Beignets, beignets are... Mwah. Though, go to Café Dumas because it's worth it. Okay, back to topic. So, no, in answering your question, um, no, I think that it's perfectly normal for you. And rather than looking at this as an issue of uh, 
a lack of faith in your witchcraft and yourself, rather than looking at that as, as this is something that's problematic, what I usually encourage my students to do is to actually look at these moments or to take these moments as uh, opportunities to check in. Yeah. Uh, because each time we have a moment like this, each time we have something that makes us question in this way, usually that is because something has changed. We have changed, our practices changed, our connection to our practices changed, something is different. And that doesn't mean that we need to completely scrap everything and, and start all over or that what we've been doing isn't real, right? Uh, because anybody who practices witchcraft or any other spiritual uh, manifesting, like projective manifesting results-oriented spiritual practice, if you're if you're diligent in the way that you continue to do that, you continue and continue to put your effort and your focus into that, um, sooner or later, everyone will have that moment, that experience where something happens and you're, and it will tell you like, absolutely like this shit is real. Like, mm. There is no doubt this yeah. shit is real. Um, you know, which is a really tricky thing, I think, to explain to a lot of people who haven't had that moment, right? Um, because it, it requires faith, mm -hmm. right? Well, you have to push yourself until you get there. Well, and you also have to remember that having those moments, you can't have expectations to have those moments. Well, I mean, we can want them. We right? can want them, but, but yeah, the expectations right. of I'm going to do this ritual from the, I'm going to do this goetic ritual and this spirit is going to manifest in the incense and in the fumigation. And that doesn't happen. I always have to tell my students as well, it's going to manifest differently for everyone. You're going to connect differently with these things. And I had to have this conversation about necromancy because some people can see, some people will hear, some people will feel, some people will taste, smell, touch, whatever. And people are tasting and smelling the dead. Sometimes when the dead come through, depending on how your psychic senses work. Yeah, I'm just gonna say, if I'm dealing with necromantic work, I don't wanna have like Claire Gustin's. That just seems gross. It is gross, but it's not tasting the dead. It's like, as they come through, you. I had an experience on Saturday. Someone came through and they were like, I tasted, it was like, hey, it was grass, it was earthy. And we were connecting to Rasputia, my horse spirit, my horse school spirit. And I was like, okay, well, that makes sense. She's a horse. Okay. So, so the expectations you should have is an experience, not a particular type of experience, but an experience. Yes. Okay. Uh, I think we did that. Okay. Um, so yeah, so don't worry about it. You're good. Okay. And it's not, it's not a bad thing. You're if anything, welcome. if anything, I would take that as a, a validating sign that you are actually growing and, and learning and progressing or reconnecting maybe would be a better term for, for uh, some of what you shared. I'm so, taking off scouts. Coach. It's a good thing. Okay. So we have that one. Okay. Let me see. There was another one. Another uh I, I saved it i thought hold on it came through in the email and the email that i get is just a mess because i get like the shop email i know i, I created the salty which is podcast at gmail.com and no one uses that email and i'm like that's okay we, we also tell people to contact us at the store and that is also acceptable normally i'm more organized <laughs> lying i'm totally never organized okay so this person had an interesting question and this is one of the reasons really mainly why i wanted to have my phone in hand because i wrote a book in response it was just one of these things like we were upstairs doing coffee in the morning before we went to open the shop and i was just like 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 a fiend 
on my phone typing. My little thumbs were, were sore by the time I was done. I saw smoke. Um, yes, they were smoking. It's very true. And then you asked me to step outside because we don't allow smoking in the house. So they say, uh, I'm not from Utah uh, and unfortunately haven't been able to stop in to the shop, but they do listen to the podcast, clearly. Uh, and they love it, by the way. <sighs> we have a fan. Um, they had a quick question because they've listened to a lot of our episodes on closed practices because we do talk about that quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and plant spirits like, oh, oh God, okay, you have to promise not to go into your rant, okay, but white sage. Uh, they would basically say that like someone like myself who is of, the, of them, some they are white slash European descent. Um, so by that they, by that connection, they shouldn't have connection or the, oh my God, let me, let me start this over. Because they are, of, are a white person of European descent, they're saying that they understand that they don't have direct connection to a lot of things like white sage or other components of things that would be considered close practices. Yes. Okay. All right. Blech. Okay. So the question, are there books or other resources that go over other plants that are parts of closed practice? Um, they only ask because they can't, because it came up and a friend mentioned that as practitioners, that they use plants like frankincense, even though they are not from around the area of the world where frankincense would be harvested or where cultures that originally utilized frankincense would be found. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and uh, they're wondering what the difference is there. And they actually already kind of answered their own question. So to talk about that specifically before we kind of go into the rest of this, okay, before I go into my my, my diatribe on closed practices once again um, in answering your question, um, frankincense is, I think, going to be a bit different when you look at associations of closed practice and plant spirits mainly because frankincense has never been you love frankincense okay and it has been utilized by so many different cultures Mm -hmm. and was traded by so many different cultures it was currency uh in in essence it was and uh you know and it was used medicinally still is used medicinally Mm -hmm. in addition to having its its energetic or spiritual properties right Mm -hmm. i think the distinction and why we would probably be able to fairly say that frankincense really could not be considered a closed uh plant spirit in really any spiritual practice ancient or contemporary is because so many different spiritual traditions utilized it Mm -hmm. you had of course all of the different spiritual practices around the middle east you've got things running into egypt right where we have old comedic traditions right you have a lot of things happening throughout the mediterranean and these were all cultures that actually traded and worked like openly and Mm -hmm. had religious structures or spiritual structures uh that were very syncretic Mm-hmm. in a sense that it was actually encouraged like it was it was considered acceptable mm-hmm. to use and to do what that person was doing in their ritual yes. even if it was for your god instead well and on top of that you have the 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 catholic church that rose to power yeah and the catholic church go there yeah and the catholic church utilized frankincense and myrrh and some other various plants in their spiritual practices because they were mentioned in the bible mm-hmm. they were mentioned in their actual book yes. of practice and so of course when you have practitioners like i'm going to use for example um italian practitioners um italian practitioners who would go to church on sunday and attend mass and have frankincense and myrrh oh heretics they would smell that um and they would notice what it did on an energetic level and a spiritual level, they would then go home and practice their benedicatia. Word? Or their, or their, um, sinatura. Okay. 
Thank you for bringing up Catholicism because, yeah, because that, that I think is one of the other reasons why we can't really consider frankincense a component of closed practices because it was something that was brought into what became mainstream religion, uh, you know, and that is the, a big distinction also when you look at that, and I'm going to go into this in a bit more detail in a moment, but something like frankincense because of its utilization by a, an influence of spiritual power like the catholic church this was something that was actively being pushed on people yeah. this was something that was being forced on people like in in the middle ages you know that whatever you know that the height of catholicism's power right like that's what you did you went to church and they burned frankincense and right um well you know and other things right you know exactly so you know it now it didn't originate with catholics right because as i mentioned a few moments ago we know there were a lot of spiritual practices way before catholicism rolled around right that were already using this herb um so that would be one of the reasons why frankincense particularly and myrrh by extension could not really be classified as components of closed practices or traditions you know what i found out the other day that i thought was really interesting and of course this would make sense but you know dan mcclellan he's the uh theologian and the biblical scholar but i anyway yeah he's all over tiktok dan mcclellan is amazing every time the man opens his mouth i am just uh 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 as someone who went to to school and has a degree in theology like when i hear him speak about the bible i'm like oh my god this man is like he's like the einstein of biblical scholars i just i'm amazed anyway he was talking the other day though about how they have found archaeological evidence on altars going back to ancient like like religions that predate like judaism like mm -hmm. old, old old school like the original abramaic faiths or he goes back to or he mentioned that they have found evidence now that goes back to altars that they found that actually have evidence of the devil's lettuce the ganja oh cool yeah yeah there was there were there were is cannabis was was definitely something that was burned in offering uh but also burned i'm sure to all, uh, accentuate the effect of ritual yes because it'll definitely affect ritual won't it yeah I, yeah that's why all the potheads do it right is because it's so good at affecting ritual you're like are you affecting ritual in there something smells funny i'm all banging on the door and you're like yo man leave me alone i'm doing my ritual I haven't done that yet, but no, um, no, but I, then of course you, you have to ask me to go and procure post-ritual munchies like Funyuns and Flamin' Hot Cheetos, Dr. Pepper, Diet Coke, usually Chinese food in there somewhere too. Try to think of all the things you've had me procure for you post-ritual, ritual work. Um, anyway, so I just thought that was fascinating. I was like, of course it would make sense that these ancient people were getting high. You know, I didn't think it would necessarily be on weed, but there you go. <laughs> anyway, so, all right, so now to answer, let's go, let's go into some of the specific reasons of why we need to distinguish closed practices. And we, as you mentioned, you've listened to other episodes where we talked about this. I like having this conversation periodically because I think it's a good one. It, it's a necessary conversation. Yes. We we see it all the time in the shop. We have people just in the last week. I had a young woman coming in, very white. And I, you know, and I'm not like, did you have to turn the lights off? She glowed in the dark. No, um, no, I'm, I'm not dealing. I'm not I'm not criticizing her for being white, you know, because she didn't choose that. Right. You know, I, anyway, no, but she was she was obviously 
of European descent, right? Very, you know, very Caucasian, right? White, white woman. Um, and uh, I mean, she, the shit she bought that day too. I mean, it was kind of all over the place. Like she bought a stick of Palo Santo, but then she also bought something that was like Norse pagan stuff. And then she also bought uh, a, a Triquetra pendant. And and then I, she bought a book and I can't remember what the hell the book was on now. It doesn't matter. Anyway, her stuff was like all over the place though, you know, which is fine. I'm like, well, you have a very eclectic practice. You know, anyway, but while we were there, she was asking about being able to buy from us if we carried uh, ritual cacao. Um, and I, I, I answered, my answer for her, it was one of the situations where you say something like in response. As you're speaking, you're trying before, to pull it back Before in. you really think about what you're saying. So, but my answer to her when she asked about, did we carry ritual cacao? I kind of blurted out, we don't carry that because we try to respect the spiritual traditions of other people. And I am not affiliated with the communities or the groups of people that would utilize something like ritual cacao traditionally. And yes, it's become very trendy in the new age community to use these things, but that is a bastardization of their original uses. It's spiritual tourism, it's spiritual elitism, it's appropriation, it's disgusting. And, you know, and I, and she obviously by my response was kind of like, oh, you know, like I could tell I had, I had ruffled her feathers. Um, she was very cool about it, you know, and I, and I did, I kind of walked it back a little bit, you know, I, I told her, I was like, you know, like, I, you know, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm really sorry if I came at you with a little bit of heat there, but, you know, but we, we try to be so respectful of these things. You know, um, this is this is a very personal thing for me, mainly because I've seen the damage inflicted upon particular communities who have been denied their traditional spiritual practices. Yeah, well, on top of that, um, if you're going and doing, you know, ceremonial cacao stuff every weekend, it then loses its sacred connectivity. Well, these people aren't really doing anything that would be traditionally ritualistic anyway. No, they're, you know, they're making a cup of hot fucking cocoa. Uh, I mean, to put it simply, yes, you know, they're, they're missing the spiritual piece unless they're actually working with a traditional practitioner, right, uh, of those of that particular, you know, culture and practice. Anyway, but we, we had a phone call the other day. Somebody was looking for hape. That's another one that, that people are doing now, you know, are looking for now in the new age community. And, you know, and it's all God, just smoke weed. It all, it all, it really, it all comes down to that escapist quality that I think a lot of new age practitioners have. It's all a component of the bypass that we see happening in those spiritual practices. Um, and you're right. They should just smoke weed, but there's a big distinction there, right? Like I can smoke weed and I can get high and I can do my spiritual stuff, but then I'm like a pothead, right? Where instead I can put hape in my eyeball or I can drink a cup of ritual cacao or kava or whatever the hell else it is that people have stolen from indigenous communities, right? And if I do that, then I'm not a pothead. Now I'm a shaman. Yes, now I'm spiritual. So it's a really weird distinction um, that these people make in their brains. Anyway, so closed practices. Okay, so let's talk about this. Okay, cultures and spiritual traditions that open their practices through processes of proselytizing, indoctrination, and force 
aren't able to claim those same practices as closed because they made others adopt them. This is where we were going back to a moment ago where we talked about Catholicism mm -hmm. and the rituals of Catholicism really basically being forced upon so many other people, right? That still happens. We talk about that like this is in the past, but it isn't. Even to, to this day, there are religious, Christian religious organizations and things that are going through and forcing their systems of belief on indigenous people throughout Africa. Like there are, this, this happens. This is something that is happening today, uh, you know, which is really fucking disgusting because we're still just now discovering all of the additional atrocities that have been afflicted upon indigenous communities by organized religion, right? Anyway, so, so they can't do that, okay, for that reason. They have forced those practices upon other people who were not originally affiliated with them, okay? Or, okay, even though they may technically still be closed, even though those things may still be closed, based on the beliefs and rights of that spiritual tradition, right? Um, and this is something that we see very commonly in, again, the history of, of religion specifically. Mm -hmm. Religion is such a weird thing if you think about it, and Catholicism specifically is also such a weird thing because though Catholicism has kind of picked and has taken pieces of other spiritual practices, not closed necessarily, but other spiritual practices, mm -hmm. right? In order to actually be Catholic, Catholicism itself as a spiritual belief, as a religion, is a closed faith. Mm -hmm. In order to be a Catholic, you have to go through catechism. You have to do, I mean, communion. There are all these things that you yeah. have to do to be a Catholic. And if you don't do those things, like you can still go and attend mass, mm -hmm. right? Like you and I will go to mass, you know, not all the time, but every once in a while, you and I will get a wild hair and we'll go attend a mass, yeah. right? Um, you know, because because it's pretty, right? Mm -hmm. And we need the exercise. Okay? Um, but but Catholicism in and of itself is, is technically a closed practice. Like you have to do certain things to basically be initiated into that faith so is it safe to say that there's a difference between a closed practice and an initiatory practice um or would you say they are the same thing i think they do differ because i think that there are processes of initiation in every spiritual tradition yes sometimes people don't recognize them as such mm -hmm. but i also know that there are still spiritual traditions out there that it doesn't matter what you do you're you're never really going to be included yeah like I, you know, and this is gonna sound really shitty of me, and I know there will be people out there that will argue with me, but particularly when we look when we look at the the uh okay. You know, I you know that's okay. You know what? When we look at I was gonna think of I was gonna throw out like a particular like like tribe or nation, indigenous community, and I'm not gonna go there because it isn't about just the one. There are many. Okay, but when we look at a lot of the very specific spiritual practices that we see happening in Latin American communities. And I'm not talking like the, the Spanish influence. I'm talking like the indigenous people of South America. What is South America and Mesoamerica today? When we look at those indigenous communities, when we look at a lot of the spiritual practices that are still identified as ATRs or African traditional religions, mm -hmm. there's a part of me that's like, unless you're actually born into that culture, like you can learn and study and initiate and do all of the shit that you want to do, 
right? And I mean, and, and for real, like legit, like you can find real teachers, you can find real elders who are willing to bring you in mm -hmm. and initiate you and make that legit for you, right? But even then, if you weren't initially born or part of or hold some ancestral connection to those things, there's a part of me that's like, you're still never really 100% in. Yeah. Because even then, even with, if you've done all this shit, a lot of times the spirits, the other spirits and the community, the living people around that, they're never going to fully accept you. You know, they might tolerate your presence. And we know that. We know a number of, of white people who have done real work who have initiated into particular traditions that white people were not initially involved in yeah right and they're real and they've done it and they've earned the titles but even within their communities there are a number of other practitioners and other people that never see them as really like you're never really in mm -hmm. well part of it for is, this reason part of it like you said is because of the culture mm -hmm. it's like if you grew up sorry i have a hangnail same if you grew up in Lily, Lily White, Salt Lake City, your family took you to church, your ancestors are first, you know, like the first pilgrims here, and like you, like 900 centuries just of, of just Puritan, Puritanical blah, blah, blah. 900 centuries? I'm, I'm over-exaggerating. That's, like, that's like 900,000 years. Wait, no? That's a really long time. That's 900 years. No? No, if I said 900 centuries. Whatever. Basically, if your family, let's say you're from Utah and you're very, very Mormon and it goes all the way back and da 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 da, and you all of a sudden leave the church and you get a wild hair up your ass and you're like, I'm going to be a conjuring root worker. 90,000 years. It's 90,000 years. That's a lot. Anyway, you know, I'm going to be a conjuring root worker. And so you go out and you buy hoodoo for beginners doesn't make you a hoodoo practitioner doesn't make you a conjuring root worker because there's an entire culture around that practice well and that you only would understand by growing up in said culture with someone from said culture well not only that but i, I think that there are a lot of communities out there now and this is where I, I mentioned kind of at the beginning of this part of, of our conversation is i know that there will be people out there that will hear this and that will argue this say like, well, I've earned this, like I've worked really hard, or I know a white person who is recognized as this title within an ATR, mm -hmm. you know, we know people like that, yeah. right? But, and you know, and a Mongo lot of it, Glassman. there you go, right? And a lot of it, I think, does have to do with, is that Sarah Glassman, a woman of color? No. Oh, okay. Anyway. Mongo, I mean, no, to look at her, you're like, wow, she a little white woman. And then she starts doing ceremony and you're like, well, that's okay. We, you know, I'm not, we're not, we don't need to name specific people, but I think, you know, the point I'm trying to make here is that there are a lot of these communities and, and a lot of people within these communities, elders mm -hmm. in, the, in these communities who are more than willing to bring you in mm -hmm. and to, in the process, also allow you to become a component of the culture to the extent that you were able to as mm -hmm. someone who was brought in later, yeah. not born. The, the challenge <laughs> there is that regardless of all the work that you do today, there's really not much that you're going to be able to do to establish the same kind of ancestral roots mm -hmm. to many of these practices because you can't go back in time. 
and changed any of that shit yep. and build a connection there that wasn't there. You can build that connection for yourself now, mm-hmm. right? But so that, that's that's why I say, you know, and, and, I, and in no way do I want to try to diminish what many people have achieved, right? Or say that people shouldn't try for these things because I think it's an amazing thing to see somebody really do the work to earn something like that, mm-hmm. right? If they feel that calling, right? Or I should say maybe the spirits feel that they should, you know, mm-hmm. the spirits want them, right? But there's just this part of me that's like, okay, you can do all of these things and, you know, and yeah, and you're in and you're the real deal and you're legit and you're initiated, but you're only going to be sitting at like 90% of whatever that is compared to somebody who actually has all of those other mm-hmm. pieces already. Well, we even see that in our own coven. That's very true. Yes. Yeah. So no, like one of the priestesses in our coven, legit, she's legit she's done the work she's done the stuff she has been initiated she has been elevated as such she is recognized as such mm-hmm. but she did not grow up in an italian or roma cultured house she did not no and that doesn't mean that her position is any less valid it doesn't mean anything of the sort we still see her and and, and do that but there's a ancestral i don't want to say code but like there's like this ancestral thing that you and I have where yeah, sometimes like we'll be talking about something yeah. as just you, me and her. Mm-hmm. And she kind of is like, wait, how does that work? Yeah, I can kind of, yeah. Well, and you can see it in her, like there, there's a part of her that feels, I think like, you know, we were talking earlier about like imposter syndrome, mm-hmm. right? Or like insecurity, like am I the real deal or not? And I can see that coming up in her sometimes. I think this particular governor, she's like i've earned it and i'm in and i'm a part of the group um you know and regardless of what she's earned there are those moments where she's like but i'm not real yet you know and i think that's another thing that comes up in people who are working their way into the spiritual traditions of yeah. other cultures and communities is they, they have a lot of work to do I mm-hmm. think, to be able to get past that yeah but when she calls us um, when she calls our spirits and she does the work the spirits listen there. to her because she's earned she's earned the connection yeah absolutely so um, it's good yes so we are not diminishing anyone's effort. La Strega Blanca. <laughs> no. um, anyway, no. Uh, so let's Blanca. let's get on. Okay. It, technically, it'd be La Strega Bianca because Bianca is white in Italian. Oh, you're right. Blanca is uh, Spanish. Yes. You're right. Okay. Sorry. Yes. Wrong language. Sorry. Okay. Um, technically, it'd be Bianca. La it'd be it'd be it'd be La Bruja Blanca. Oops. If you if I were speaking Spanish. Yes. yes. Okay. Um, all right. One other thing I want to uh, talk about here with the close practices. Okay, another necessary thing to consider in systems of oppression, or uh, is systems of oppression that have harmed communities where many closed practices originated and still exist. Okay, most of the practices that we identify as close today have been ridiculed and attacked in the past. Mm-hmm. People who initially carried those practices have been marginalized and and disparaged and violated horribly victimized horribly over many 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 years okay um the communities who hold the roots of these practices okay um i i just said that they've been marginalized disparaged and victimized okay um this is one of the reasons why i think i get angry with people over the white sage debate just for instance right okay is one it's it's not so much about the use of the herb right? Like it's produced enough. It's become enough of a commercialized kind of a thing, right? It's been so popularized since the like the hippie movement of the 1960s, right? That you can find white sage everywhere. Mm-hmm. You can go to like little like trendy, like millennial places, like urban fucking outfitters at any mall and find bundles of white sage. Mm-hmm. It's pretty fucking gross, to be honest. 
um, because it's just become so commercial and capitalist. It's nasty. But okay, it's, it's not so much the use of the herb. Okay, It's the lack of education and respect for what the indigenous communities had to go through to reclaim their spiritual traditions around the use of white sage. Yes. Okay. Um, when you take a look at, when, when you take a spiritual practice without learning its history or whether or not you should have access to it by birth or initiation, um, you basically become part of a millennia old system of misogyny, mm -hmm. white supremacy, homophobia, and classism. Um, and so those of you, when you, when you are, if you are someone who's like, no, no, not my white sage, you know, um, you know, if you're one of these kinds of people or you're someone who is looking for ritual cacao, you know, or someone who's looking for hop hay or whatever the hell the trendy thing that the new agers are trying to do to get high this week might be, right? Um, when you're doing that and you're not, not respecting those things, you're not learning the history, you're not respecting the communities that initially held that or where those things originated, you you become part of the problem. You make yourself part of the problem when we look at the history of violence and victimization against these indigenous communities, against these people. You you become complicit in that. Okay, and I say that, and it sounds really judgmental because, to be honest, all of us are complicit in those systems to some extent. Right? Mm -hmm. You and I may not buy white sage, right? But I'm sure there are other things that we do as light-skinned slash white people living in America that are, we, we're absolutely complicit in systems of white supremacy and misogyny. Yeah. Okay, we cannot escape that. No, we can't. Right? We're trying to do everything we can not to do that, not to perpetuate those things, right? You know, and we're human. And so I'm sure we have times where we're doing really, really good at it. And we probably have other times where we horribly fuck it up, mm -hmm. right? Um, but we're trying and we're aware. And I think awareness is really kind of, the big piece that's where what that needs to start that's the, the part that we um, get to control. and that's the problem i think that i have with these people who we, we initiate these kinds of conversations and they're like and they immediately shut down or they get angry and defensive right it's like like they're not ready to hear like they don't want to hear the truth because as long as they're ignorant of the truth they get to absolve themselves of any responsibility for this mm -hmm. you know like oh i can't possibly be a misogynist because of blah 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 Mm -hmm. And it's like, okay, well, what about this, 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 and this? You buy into all of these social structures. You do all of these things, right? It's, it's, a, it's a tricky thing. Absolutely. You know, and I don't think that most people are intentionally trying to, to, to do this, but it's just the world that we live in, yeah. right? We've been all been programmed to believe that patriarchy, misogyny, homophobia, bigotry, violence against marginalized and disparaged communities, that these are all just normal things. Right? This is just how the world works, right? Which is horrible because we know behind all of that, there's really a fairly small group of people who are really just like the uber rich people. And they deliberately push these agendas. They create this system. They perpetuate the system to make sure that we all stay, you know, we're all just our little drones, right? And we all just continue to do what we can to make them richer and more powerful, right? I sounded very conspiracy theorist. You are sounding a very, yeah. very, very that's conspiracy okay. theorist. That's my belief. That I, I won't force that on anyone else, but that's, you, that's what I believe. Do you also so, think the earth is flat? I do not think the earth is flat. I think the earth is, is a lovely spherical shape, not a perfect circle. We know that it's not a perfect circle. That's actually been proven mm -hmm. astronomically now. Um, it also bulges a little bit on the sides because of its spinning. Well, and, and the holidays too. True. I mean, we're all bulging at the sides now after the holiday season, I think. 
if any of you people, any of you saltines listening or watching this, if any of you people are like these, these lucky skinny bitches who make it through the holidays without putting on a pound, go fuck yourself. Anyway, um, another important piece to this discussion is who holds the power to determine the closed nature of a practice. Okay. This can be tricky because that power varies in different groups and practices, mm-hmm. different traditions. Okay. For example, an African descended black person of fundamentalist Christian faith, though they may be black and maybe even have ancestral connections to areas of the world where African traditional religions originated, right? Fucking slave trade. Anyway, right, that person, because they have now been raised and have chosen Christianity as a belief, that person cannot speak on the closed nature of practices found within African traditional religions. Okay, that, I'm sorry, that's just, that's, that is what it is. And I know there could be people of color out there who will argue that with me, okay, but it is what it is. If you are a, a Southern Black Baptist, You've chosen Jesus and the Lord God, right? Christian God, Abrahamic God, right? And you've chosen that as your spirituality and you have walked away from any kind of ancestral tie that you might've had to any kind of ATR, right? Doesn't matter if you're a black person. You, you, you'd have, you have as, as little right as I do to talk about what goes on in those practices, okay? Because you didn't earn it. You're not initiated. You don't know. Right? You're looking at me like I'm wrong over here. No, I'm not. Okay. I mean, you can absolutely disagree with me on that, okay? And don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to, like, get racial or, or, or be a dick about this. I'm just saying, like, like you're, you're as, as a Mormon person, okay? Take, let's, take, let's take skin color and, and those things completely out of the mix, okay? Um, as a, as a, a Mormon person, right? And I say Mormon, and yes, I know that there are people of color in the Mormon church, but... When you hear the word Mormon, you don't immediately think of people of color, do you? No, you think of blonde hair, um, blue-eyed Aryan nation. Exactly, bodies. right? So anyway, so but you know, but it's not about race, okay? It could be a Mormon person of any of any ethnicity or, or, or race, right? Okay, but you're not gonna as a Mormon person, you really have no authority. You have no voice that holds any power on discussing things like Catholicism. True, because you didn't choose that. You're not involved. You didn't baptize in, you didn't take communion, you know, you didn't go to catechism, you didn't mm-hmm. do any of that shit, right? You didn't do the things that you have to do to be a component of Catholicism officially, mm-hmm. right? You're Mormon, you chose that, or more likely you had someone choose that for you, right? Because it's a cult. But uh, anyway, so so it's not even necessarily about race or ethnicity. It's kind of more about like, this is the spiritual path that you've chosen. Okay. It doesn't mean that, say, like, again, going back to my, my prior example, a, a black Southern person, well, they don't even need to be Southern, but a black person who has grown up maybe with, like, that that religious evangelical mm-hmm. kind of Christianity in them, they get to a moment at some point in their lives where they're like, oh, oh, God, no, boy, ew, absolutely not, ugh, you know, and they step away from that, and they then take on the study and eventually an initiation processes, if they choose, mm-hmm. right, of some, some, uh, some, particular practice within because the ATRs, that's a family of practices. There are many mm-hmm. of them, right? Um, then yeah, they're absolutely legit in that situation, right? Because they've they've studied, they've done the work, they've made, they've, they've made the progression. And again, it has nothing to do with race or ethnicity or skin color, right? It's about 
this is what you've chosen. This is the work you've done to earn this. This is how you are now officially involved. Yeah. Right. Well, I mean, staying that track of example, the person who just left the Southern Evangelical Church and is trying to reclaim their roots and reclaim the roots of their tradition and their ancestors and da da da. And then two weeks in is trying to tell a white person that the conjuring root work that that white person grew up doing is not, they can't do that. You can't do that honey jar, it's a closed practice. Um, there's no validity there. Well, it's, well it's, it's, there's it's, none. Well, it's the same argument. It's one of those things exactly. where it's like, like, like people, because that, that argument went around a while ago too, right? We had that whole situation where a lot of people in um, the Latin American uh, occult community, like Mesoamerican mm -hmm. practices in particular, you know, brujeria, uh, these, these kinds of things, right? There were a lot of them that were really angry that there were a lot of white witches and, a lot, and white spiritual practitioners going on about the use of honey jars, right? And, and the whole thing was really kind of ridiculous because honey jars, that kind of working is something that really originates or, or goes back all the way to like the ancient Middle East and the Mediterranean. I mean, I mean that that particular kind of working has been around forever. Mm -hmm. and has been utilized by so many different cultures, mm -hmm. but in a contemporary kind of a lens, it's, it has become something that's a huge component of very particular kinds of yes. spiritual practices now mm -hmm. within the occult community. So I can absolutely understand their upset, but there were a lot of them, like you said, that were like, well, you can't do a honey jar because, and, it, and you had a lot of people on the other side of that situation that are saying like, but this is a component of my spiritual practice and my spiritual practice also has these roots. And this is mm -hmm. something that also goes back, you what, know, and what it boiled down to was the term. You can't it was, use I remember the that, term. Yeah. It was semantics. Yeah. And all I can say, and I, cause I got into, I got into it with someone is I was like, okay, well, I'm putting honey in a mason jar. It's a honey jar work. No, you can't say that. Okay. But it's a mason jar. And I'm putting honey in it. Therefore, grammatically of the, uh, it is honey jar. But you're also, as, as someone who has roots in conjure, you're also coming from a family of practices that where you're like, yeah, this is. Yeah, it's a honey jar spell. This is something. It's that, a sweetening that, work. This is something that we've done. Yeah, it's sweetening. Like, for attracting. a really long time. Yeah. So, yeah. So in that situation, it's, it's tricky because I absolutely, I, I am always going to stand up for an indigenous person, a person of color who is stepping up and saying, you can't have this, this is ours. Mm -hmm. And every time I hear that from someone like that, my first instinct is always to say, oh my God, you're right, we need to protect this. Mm -hmm. But there needs to be, I think, some additional research and some digging into those things when those conversations happen. And I think that's where a lot of people, like, there's where there's a lot of what yeah. causes breakdown. Yeah, the conversation is, stops as soon as someone says no. Like, well, well I mean, yes, I think it's, and there are certain things where that's yeah. appropriate. Well, absolutely. I mean, because there are certainly things like, again, I mentioned, you know, we're talking about ATRs and we're talking about the spiritual practices of Mesoamerican cultures and things. Mm -hmm. right? And there are components of those spiritual traditions or absolutely, absolutely. Like this is, this is absolutely theirs. You know, like I had someone come into the shop the other day who was another person that probably shouldn't be sniffing around about these things, but someone who came in the other day who started to ask questions about Yamaya and Oshun. And these kinds of spirits, you know, and, you know, and the reason I say this person is somebody who shouldn't maybe be, be digging into these things, okay, is obviously when they were like, genetically, they were not of these cultures, clearly, 
Okay. Um, also, this was somebody that had to be maybe 18. So even as a white person, this is somebody who, even if they were working their way into these cultures, they haven't been able to do that yet. Were they calling them gods? Um, in essence, yes, they were. Okay. Um, you know, and that gets tricky because, again, I think a lot of times that comes down to an issue of semantics. The Orisha are not considered gods. They are considered spirits of certain things. That's okay. We don't need to go there. Anyway, so, so again, getting back to the point, though, I think it, it gets difficult, I think, sometimes when we have this conversation because we, we need to be doing all that we can to, to support closed practices. We yes. need to recognize and we need to help to, to control you know, we need, to, we need to be able to gatekeep those things. We need to support other communities in gatekeeping those things, right? But we need to be reasonable, I think, or we need to be uh, more intelligent, I think, sometimes about how we do that. And in getting, going back to my point in this, okay, the point I really wanted to make about this, okay, is that people, regardless of their connections, unless they've actually done the work of spirit to be a part of whatever that practice is, they really don't have a voice when the argument around whether it is closed or not comes up. Mm -hmm. Only the people, and I want for you, our saltines, okay, I want you to, to, to hear this so after all of that bullshit and all that, all that rambling. Um, if you are very curious about something, the, the le legitimacy of something being a closed practice, the only real answer you're going to get, the only answer I would tell you that you could really listen to would be an answer that would come from someone who is a real initiated elder within that tradition or practice. Okay. Anybody who is, has not earned that within a practice, they will, of course, we all have opinions, right? I mean, God, that's all you and I do is share our opinions on things, right? Um, we all have opinions, but I, I, somebody who is a, a, a I'm trying to think of a religion, a, a palero, mm -hmm. right? Someone who's actually done the work to become that, mm -hmm. right? They're going to have whatever their opinion, no matter how educated I may be, right? On whatever those practices are, if they've actually done it and they're a part of the practice and I am not, their voice and their opinion is always going to be louder than mine. It mm -hmm. needs to be louder than mine. So, and that's what I'm getting at basically with all of this talk is that we, we need to go to the source. We need to go to people who are actually involved in these things, who have earned and proved that they have a right to be the voices for these. 100%. Okay. All right. Anyway, let's see. I got nervous and I peeled off my. Why'd you do that? Because I, I don't know. Oh, I have some stuff in here about the Norse pagan community, the Norse and Hellenistic pagan community um, around closed practices, because those are two communities that are really bad, really notorious for their appropriation. Go for it. Do I, it. I don't want to go there because I, you know, I don't want to crap on anybody's particular spiritual practice. Okay. But I no, we're going to do it. Um, talking about the Norse and Hellenistic pagan communities. And I wanted to focus on these communities specifically because when we have this discussion around closed practices, we always tend to focus on the activities and the things happening around like ATRs, Mesoamerican, Indigenous American, or Indigenous, well, I shouldn't just say Indigenous, just Indigenous communities because there are mm -hmm. Indigenous communities everywhere, right? Um, anyway, but, but within the Norse and Hellenistic pagan communities, we see a lot of issues of appropriation and I would say very flagrant theft of closed practices, right? Um, 
And I talk about, I want to talk about these specifically because these flavors of paganism in particular are, um, I want to use these as an example because that when we see issues of appropriation and taking of things, Norse paganism, what we identify as Norse paganism and Hellenistic paganism, they are probably two of the worst offenders for taking things and secretizing things from other people. Mm-hmm. Right. And the Hellenists have been doing it for thousands of years. Right. Um, anyway. Okay. But uh, the cultures of origin for those pagan paths, not, not the pagan paths themselves. Okay. But again, cultures of origin, right. We're talking about Scandinavian people, Teutonic people, uh, Norse ancestral, right. Mm-hmm. People, right. And most of the communities that we see around Hellenistic, right. Hellenismos. So we see Greek, Italian, mm-hmm. right? Sicilian, a lot of those Mediterranean communities, right? Mm-hmm. Those communities, okay, the cultures of origin for Norse and Hellenistic paganism, right? They gave their traditional spiritualities away, right? And I really, maybe, maybe saying they gave them away isn't right. They, they relinquished their traditional beliefs and practices for Christianity, Right. Mm-hmm. And in a lot of those situations that I don't think it was a matter of choice, it was no, a matter of, of like, you're going to believe this or you're going to die. Yeah. Right. You know, because we know that's what Christianity has done. Right. No religion. The churches are evil. Okay. Um, but, but they, those cultures, they gave those practices away, right. They've lost them to time now, many of those practices, right. Because of their, uh, they're, they're switching over and embracing Christianity as a religion, right? Okay. The influence of Christianity okay, has also prevented the passing on of information historically in many of those situations, right? We know, like, to this day, we have stories of cultures, like, coming out of, like, like the Norse, Norse communities, the North, Norse, you know, what I'm trying to say, culture, mm-hmm. right? Those cultures historically, even, even you know, Mediterranean cultures, right? The, the history that we have for those cultures only exists because of Christian scholars. We own everything we know. Why well, I shouldn't say everything because we have made some discoveries in recent years archaeologically that has kind of given us a little bit of a different window into some of the Nor- Norse cultures specifically. Mm-hmm. Okay? But when we look at our books, our texts, the things that we've all have grown up with, the things that we have had access to for at least the last century or so that have talked with us about ancient Norse culture, all of that shit was documented by Christian scholars, Catholic monks, these kinds of things, right? And you know those people were not being fair. You know that they were not being accurate in their description of what the ancient Norse culture was like and what those people were doing and what they originally believed and the gods that they originally worshipped. You know a lot of the information that we have on that shit has got to be fucked up and wrong because it was documented through the lens of people who were already biased Mm -hmm. against it, right? And were not, they did not care if they maintained accurate records of what was really going on, right? So that's one of the other points I wanted to make when we look at the history of issues of appropriation and why we see, I think, the issue of closed practices continuing to be such a, such a, well, just such an issue today, right? The, I think the challenge that we see is that there are a lot of communities out there for a number of reasons, right? 
and this works to the positive as well, right? Like in going back to the example of, or the, uh, yeah, the example of ATRs, right? You have a lot of black people and other people of color because ATRs, though we identify them as African traditional religions, those are spiritual practices that are, that moved all the way through the Caribbean, mm -hmm. right? There were a lot of other indigenous communities that were, were kind of brought into those practices. So, so they're not really African purely anymore, mm -hmm. right? Based on the way that those things progressed over the world, right? Um, but but in a positive sense, you know, we can see a lot of people, who, people of color, black people who are now turning away, who are saying no thank you to Christianity mm -hmm. or some flavor of Christianity, right? And they're re-embracing some of those things, right? Um, and the, the good thing there is that there still is, I think, a good amount of information or there has been a clear thread of practice and tradition that has continued to be passed down the line through mm -hmm. all of the centuries, right? Where all of those communities were so horribly victimized, right? And their spiritual practices were outlawed, mm -hmm. right? It was illegal for a lot of these communities to do their traditional spiritual stuff, right? We know that is the case with Southwestern American or in, uh, Indigenous American communities, mm -hmm. right? Anyway, so we can see this as a positive thing, right? This process of reclamation, right? But we also see this, I think, being a source of a lot of the trouble around the discussion of closed practices when we look at communities like Norse paganism and Hellenistic faiths, right? Because there's this process of reclamation, particularly within Norse paganism, right? But there isn't anything to reclaim because all of that is gone. Well, I shouldn't say all of it, but most of it is gone. Right? And you've got these people out there now, and I, th this, this to me, and I'm not, a, I'm not a Norse pagan, and I, so I try not to get involved in these discussions because when it's really none of my damn business, mm -hmm. right? But when these discussions are brought to me, I certainly have some very strong opinions, right? Which is why we're doing this now, right? Um, but I see people all over the place now identifying themselves as seethers and gothi mm -hmm. and any of a number. Fulfa. Yes, fulfa any of a number of other titles that they have taken from what they believe is a traditional or an old spiritual practice originating in this community or this area of the world, right? And I see these people out there claiming these titles who are doing these things. And I'm like, okay, well that right there, that's absolutely indigenous American, no doubt. That, that originated in Asia, that, that came from the Middle East. This. Is something that you pulled out of your ass completely, you know, and don't get me wrong, nothing wrong with you coming up with your own shit, but you're not really coming up with your own shit, are you? You know, and so that's the debate that I have a lot with people who claim these titles because they're not basing their practice off of anything real. Right. And there are a lot of reconstructionists and there's nothing wrong with reconstruction, mm -hmm. but in the process of trying to reclaim or reconstruct your traditional Norse pagan practices in the process of doing that, you're told that you need to tattoo your face with markings that are very clearly indigenous American first nation markings, or you're burning white sage. Cause we know the Vikings and the Norse pagans all love their white sage, right? Ugh. Right, you're doing those things. You're not reconstructing anything. You're just a thief, and your practice is rooted in bullshit. Okay. Um, so same thing with Hellenistic practitioners who insist on using white sage, absolutely, or, absolutely, yes, or 
or being too scared to acknowledge Hecate, because Hecate was actually a huge component in Hellenistic practices. She was, but she also was one, to be honest, that was secretized and brought into Hellenism. Yes. She originated, her worship and her first cults originated in the Middle East. Yeah. You know, and that's the discussion that I have. Like, I get into that debate with Hellenistic pagans all the time. Like, well, Hecate is a Hellenistic god. And I'm like, yeah, now, you know, or, or, you know, as of a couple thousand years ago, but that's not where she started, you know? Uh, she, you know, and so I, I get frustrated with that kind of thinking, like, well, she's a Hellenistic goddess. And I'm like, yes, that is technically true. You know, uh, yeah. And they don't want to hear that. They mm-hmm. don't want to hear that. So anyway, so so I, I think, you know, again, the only reason I'm going there and making this, you know, kind of taking this this little bit of a swing or, or you know, kind of a turn on this discussion and going into like Norse pagan and stuff is like, I think that this is it is very much these elements of the contemporary pagan community, Hellenistic belief and Norse paganism that are continuing to kind of perpetuate this issue that we have with closed practices and the debates around closed practices, right? It's a lot of, I think, people, usually white people, who are disenfranchised from spiritual spirituality just in general because they've come from a history of Christianity. Mm-hmm. They're trying to turn away from that. They want to reconnect. They want to build something. They want to have something of their own in the form of paganistic or alternative spiritual belief. But in the process of trying to do that, they're cobbling together a spiritual practice and a belief system that really, in essence, is kind of just taking from a lot of other things. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's where all this upset, I think, comes from around the issue of closed practices. Yeah. Right. So don't be that pagan. Don't be that person. Right. You know, I'm not trying to say that you can't come up with your own thing. You know, if you have an appreciation of a particular something that certain people do. No, that's wonderful. Right. It's a good thing to appreciate. You know, window shopping is okay, Right. Um, But you, you don't just get to go in and take that thing and say, oh, this was a traditional part of this practice or this is mine now. Right. You, you can't do that. Here's an easy Actually, way. You can do that. But if you do that, you're an asshole. Here's an easy way to tell if it's actually historically accurate or not. Doesn't mention calling quarters or casting a circle. Yes. If your Hellenistic paganistic practice calls for calling quarters um, and casting a circle, No word. And if it calls for burning a bundle of white sage, um, no, they would have done kernet. They would have done lustral water. Exactly. So, wow, what is that? What is that voice? Do your research. Okay, so to, to basically just to kind of wrap this up before we move on to anything else, I have no idea we're right on time, but we kind of got into a thing here. I got into a thing here. Excuse me, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> Um, so I think that these are this topic, I think, around close practices and how we need to respect these kinds of things. And we need to be more honest about these things when we have this discussion. Th- this, to be honest, I think this is a difficult conversation for most people to have. It is because it's uncomfortable. Um, and it is because it I, I think most of us, we want to be able to avoid these conversations, I think, make us all take a look at ourselves and our behavior. I think sometimes in what we've done in our spiritual practices and what we're choosing to put our belief in, I think that these kinds of conversations force us all to look at ourselves in ways sometimes that can be uncomfortable. Yes. Right. Because in doing that, we have to acknowledge those areas where we've been complicit Mm -hmm. in whatever it is that is wrong 
right, in our world, right, and around the way that people take things yes. from these traditions that they shouldn't. It's like the difference between um, the U.S. The U.S. teaching history and Germany teaching history. Exactly. Right? In the U.S., we just want to pretend that slavery didn't happen and everything's always been awesome. And then in Germany, they're like, oh, no, this happened in... Yeah, the Holocaust was very real and we hate it and we regret it and we're going to make sure it never happens again by talking about it as much as we can. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, I, you know, I, I think that to give people the benefit of the doubt, and I don't know why I bother to do this because it just bites me in the ass every time, but to give people the benefit of the doubt, I think that this this issue around close practices i think more often than not in the way that we handle this i think for taking it taking it down to the individual person i think that more often than not what this really comes down to is just i think i think it's more of an issue of just a general just the phenomena that we see of spiritual colonizing mm -hmm. which is something that i think that we all do to some extent right i also think that it has more to do with a lack of personal accountability and responsibility rather than any effort to be harmful to these communities, right? Like I'm gonna say, I just I just talked mad shit on a, on the Norse pagan community for a minute there, but I'm gonna say I honestly don't believe that any of those Norse pagans out there that you see all over they're always the social media Norse pagans. I know a lot of Norse pagans who are amazing people. They're lovely people, um, but it's always these like social media personality pagans that we see, right? Like the Norse pagans that are all over the internet. You know, I, I even they even those ones who give that community such a black eye they they are i don't think that they are maliciously or cruelly tattooing themselves with with first nation tribal tattoos on their chins and things or maori tattoos or inuit tattoos i don't think that they're doing those things to try to harm those communities right i don't i don't believe that is the case i think that it has more to do with them one just not being educated and because of that, they don't understand the impact of what something as simple, as simple as that might seem, right? Mm -hmm. They don't understand the full impact of what that could mean or what that, that could be yeah. for somebody who is a part of the, the community that is being stolen from, mm -hmm. right? Um, you know, uh, yeah, I think we all just need to try not to be such assholes, really, to be honest, is the bottom line, okay? Um, but being accountable and responsible can, can suck, I think. I, I hate being accountable and responsible. It sucks. Okay. Uh, but we have to be when we want to have anything of real value in our lives and in our spiritual practices. Okay? Nothing in our world changes if we are not accountable for the past and responsible for our personal actions. Yes. Okay? And I'm just going to say you cannot really be any kind of, you can't really be any kind of real spiritual practitioner if you're not willing to do this work as well. Yeah. There's nothing more hashtag low vibe than stealing from someone else's culture and claiming it as your own. Ew. Good one, Becky. Hashtag high vibes only. Ew. Gross. Um, I think we should call it an episode. Um, well, where are we at on time? Because we... Um, probably over an hour. Do you think? Can we check? Yeah. Give us a second. We're going to check. All right. So we are going to wrap it up because we have plenty of stuff to talk about. Thank you, listeners. Yeah, Always send sorry. us stuff. We love it, love it, love it, love I got, it. I got a, a really bad case of verbal diarrhea. That's okay. It was really good. It was very informative. Well, I'm feeling bad now because I don't want anything that I was just going on about. I don't want that to, like, ruin anybody's day. Uh, but like, like I was saying, I think it's, it's a difficult conversation to have. There's a lot of shit that comes up that I think people don't want to hear. 
Yes. Well, there's a lot of shit that comes up that people don't want to hear. And then, you know, we get labeled as like anti-Norse and we're not anti-Norse or anti-racist. And if you can't tell the difference, you're part of the problem. Well, you know, not only anti-racist, but I mean, we, we talked a lot about, you know, just like the close well, practice thing is, is again, it's something that goes beyond race. You know, I made the example. And the last thing I want to do is offend any, any of uh, our, our saltines that are people of color. Mm-hmm. You know, black indigenous people of color right the last thing i want to do is offend any of them because those are those are the listeners that i think those are the saltines those are the people in our community not just on the podcast but at the shop those are the people i think more than anything that i, I value the most because they are walking the same path that a lot of white and light-skinned people are they're mm-hmm. walking the same spiritual paths i mean their, their paths are kind of going in different directions right but we're all walking those paths but these are also communities that are still very actively caught up in the process of taking back a lot mm-hmm. that has been taken from them yes right so the last thing i want to do is is convey any kind of disrespect for bipoc communities around these issues so you know again i going back to what i said you know earlier you know it, it it's not even really to be honest a lot of the time i think an issue around race or ethnicity, mm-hmm. though it is, and culture, I think really the bottom line when it comes down to close practices, if it's not something that you, through a process of research, can see that you have clear connection to, you need to make the commitment to learn and to go through all of the processes to actually be able to really claim that. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you need to leave it the fuck alone. Yes. And you need to be okay. You need to accept this just isn't for me. Mm-hmm. And you need to move on and find something else. Yes. And you need to leave those practices to the communities that they originally belonged to if you're not prepared to really earn them. You know, um, just don't be a dick. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I, I, I'm making that, I made that last statement because we had someone come into the shop the other day who said, wow, it's really surprising to see that you actually have Norse stuff in here. And it really irritated me. You know, that's because all the other shops in the area tell everybody that we don't like Norse pagans, right? Um, like, I know, like, the, the, the dudes down at the, the shop that's just a little bit further south of us, they, they, they tell people, I've had a number of people come into the store and say, oh, the people down there said that you don't like Norse pagans. And I thought that was hilarious because, and this is going to sound, this is going to make me sound like a shady bitch, but I'll claim it. But I thought that was actually kind of funny because, to be honest, the dudes at the shop south of us, I don't really consider them pagans at all or witches or witches at all so there's just part of me that's like i can't really take anything any kind of judgment that they would make on me or my shop or my personal views or or the information that i share really seriously because they're again no one in a position really to to know or to talk about this yeah um i'm just gonna say this we're not anti that what we're not anti-norse pagan and the reason there's not a lot of stuff in our shop to deal with that is because we like to present stuff that is historically high scalp. Oh. You got spooked. Management is here. Oh, um, we should show them. One of the managers has an injury and it's very sad. Um, but he'll be okay. He'll be okay. But, um, you know, so if there are any Norse pagans or self-proclaimed proclaimed seethers or gothies or volvas who listen and or watch our podcast and you've written a book that actually has good historical information in it mm-hmm. that's not racist and you don't mm-hmm. have affiliation to the afa mm-hmm. please contact us until okay. then we will continue to sell and do what we have that we know is 
reputable. Well, I think the other issue with the, the homeowner's thing, like at least as it would relate to our shop, because we have things in the shop that absolutely would be components of Norse paganistic practice. Yes. Like the challenge that we have with that, and I think this is something that most metaphysical shops have when it comes to Norse paganism, is that a lot of the symbols and a lot of the things, the components, the things that have been applied to those practices, again, if you do some research, you realize like, no, no, this was never a component of these practices, at least based on the information that we have, mm -hmm. right? And I'm not going to carry something in my store just because it has the look, right? Well, like, unfortunately, like, there are plenty of stores out there that will. Well, and that's true. But, you know, but those stores are... And we're not sellouts. That's, that's unethical. You know, that's shady. We're, we're not sellouts and we're not commercial. And so because of that, we can only sell and carry what is as legitimate as possible. And... So again, you know someone who writes really good books on that with good instructions. It's historically backed and verified. Cool. The minute it's, I feel personally, I don't give a fuck about your feelings. What I want to hear about is I want to hear about the history. Okay. I swear to God, if I have one more person tell me that I follow the old gods and Loki is calling to me, I'm going to fucking punch you in the throat. I don't have any goddamn Norse blood in me. Okay. That's a very Lokian thing to do. I'm going to punch you. Uh, so, Mr. Scout. Mr. Scout. Oh. So, Mr. He, Scout. He, he has a broken bow. He has a broken leg. And he will be okay. Oh, you woke him up. He's so tired. He's hot, Papa. Anyway, yes, this is Scout. He's one of the managers. And uh, yes, and he, burp. He, has a, he has an ouchie. Uh, but he will recover. He has a stinky burp. Um, he's, he's our stinky boy. He's our stinky he, boy. And he, it comes out of both ends. He's either burping or farting. So. Oh, stinky boy. Anyway. Um, yeah, since he made a little noise, I figured we should put him on camera for a moment. The other managers are all here, but they're all, uh, they've all been quiet. Roxy's too busy trying to protect the food she's not eating from the other manager, Toby. Yes, yes, the eternal struggle of who gets the last bit of kibble. Um, so anyway, what's coming up week, in the shop? Uh, well, so I wasn't at the shop. So we, we've got this, uh, so two days from now. Starting January 5th, Friday. Yes. Um, Mike's Beginner Witch course starts. It is not available online. It is not available online, which is why I wasn't really going to go there. Um, I don't know why you won't make it available online. I made it available online last time. And I, the reason I didn't, or I chose not to do it this time, is I ended up having a lot of uh, online students who, for different reasons, were unable to tune into the live class. And I ended up having to do a lot of work on the back end to like copy notes to send like emails privately to students to kind of get them all up on so that they could continue to move forward with the course. And I just remember the last year, last year when I taught this course, like having to go back in and having to basically type up like a whole nother curriculum because I couldn't just provide my teacher's notes, right? Because I had shit that I, that I didn't want them to have, right? Based on what was coming up in the class, right? So I, I ended up having to send all of these like private emails with documents out to all of these different students who like, I missed this class. I missed this class. I can't do the class today. I can't, you know, and I hate to sound like a bitch, but sucks to suck, I guess. So, um, well, I, you know, and that's the thing, I guess. So rather than having to disappoint somebody and say like, oh, I'm really sorry. You can't make class tonight. You know, I, I guess the course is done for you. Right. After they've taken a couple of the sessions, it, to me, it just made more sense. Just like not, just show up to the next one and hopefully figure but, it out. But they wouldn't show up as a thing, right? Because they live somewhere else. Um, so, so anyway, um, so that's um, coming up. It's only available in person. It's for eight weeks, 6 p.m. You have to pre-register. No, you cannot join halfway through. 
It is literally only $80. We have some other exciting stuff coming up, though. Mia has a class coming up this month. And you can find all of our events on our website. You just go to www.catn, the letter N, catncaldron.com. And we have a calendar. In fact, just today, I updated the website. I put um, uh, all of February's events right now on there. Oh, cool. Um, you have your Reiki attunement course coming up yep. for level one, which will be amazing because it's both Usui and Blue Fire. Yep. Um, we also have Mia's got her astrology class this month. She's got her tarot class starting up in February as well. Right, we have some really cool shit going on. Um, I also updated the site today to include the uh, the aura photography. We're now offering Ooh, aura photography yes, we are. Um, so that's all on the website now as well. Um, anyway, enough enough uh, shameless plugging of the the store. There next, is no shameless plugging. It's our shop. So shameful, shameful plugging. Nope. Um, None of it. Next week we'll be back. Uh, one of our come to our uh, shops. Spend your money. Take our classes. One of our one of our saltines uh, that we we answered a question for tonight um, also inquired about our availability to do an episode on sex magic, um, and so I believe next Tuesday we will be, we will be back with an episode on sex magic. Cool. Okay, um, I think that's a it seems like a good way to kind of start off the year, right? Yeah. Um, since this episode was basically just another like answer questions and listen to Mike bitch kind of episode, I'm um, down for it. Anyway. Oh my goodness, Mister Scout. So um, he looks very gray light like there's a gray tone to him which is very, very odd anyway um so we'll we'll be back next week with sex magic um no we will not be performing anything on the podcast um we have an only fans page for that no we don't we don't no one wants to see this no um anyway uh we also are going to be talking uh in the episode after that on uh working with herbal spirits okay um basically specifically beginning like for people who are kind of new beginning herbal spirits um, so we'll be talking about that as well in another episode here coming up quick so uh anyway that's all i've got for tonight um thank you everybody for listening to my my rant um and do send us your questions and your comments yes the salty which is podcast at gmail.com or wherever else y'all are sending or info at catandcalter.com either is fine we don't care you can also message us on instagram and facebook and we're, we're everywhere we're yep. everywhere uh, we're like we're like herpes. We're everywhere. Gross. Okay. I just meant mean it's very common, not that it's everywhere. Do you wanna do you wanna turn it off, Scout? He's like, no. Bye everybody. Bye.